Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. I'm here with uh, my worthy constituent, Mr. Murray McCormick. I'm pumped. We're, well, we're uh, <laughs> pumped, pumped in, in a way that pumped might up. not be uh, <laughs> uh, widely applaudable. But um, we did a Rider Rumblings podcast yesterday. We recorded the program early afternoon, and then just after 4 o'clock, everything changed, and, well... We haven't changed. We're here doing yeah. <laughs> doing a podcast a day later. To I have a to, different to, shirt on though. You're wearing the same shirt. Yeah, it's uh, it'll it'll do for another week. Yeah. Uh, so, um, given the news of Chris Jones leaving the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, we thought that a uh, another podcast was in order. So this is volume two, number three in yes. the Rider Rumblings series. Without further babbling and preamble, I'd uh, I'd like to get Murray to discuss his conversation with Chris Jones. He talked to Chris Jones this morning. And this 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 morning being Tuesday morning Wednesday Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning what day it is what day is it and uh, was able to get the first interview with Chris Jones since uh, his departure. How would you summarize Mur what uh, he had to say? Summarize how he had to say. I think he is. Uh, I'd say he's very excited about the opportunity. I think he saw a chance that he didn't think he had last week. He was aware of it, may aware of the interest of the NFL teams, but he didn't know this Browns offer was going to be coming down the road. It happened. They interviewed him. They talked to Craig, cleared it with Craig Reynolds, talked to him, interviewed him, boom, hired him. It happened that quickly. Like, we're all kind of looking for uh, different scenarios. Maybe it was some sort of nefarious thing in the background that Chris Jones is kind of twisting the truth on us. But I think it happened. Talked to him on the, reached out on the weekend, interviewed Tuesday, hired him Tuesday afternoon. And it was, it was interesting. It was, uh, I've had to be, I've compl- I don't get a lot of one on one time with Chris Jones. I have never had that. I think this might be my, third time I've ever had one-on-one time with Chris and it was about 17 minutes I'm going into the background you probably want more more of the meat but he was very chatty he was very open candid he talked about how this is an opportunity as I said before and it's also and he always is going to miss the rough he's going to miss his staff he used words like love and you know he really loved and he liked Regina he liked being here but he's 51 he's not getting any younger how many opportunities is a guy going to be able to get in and literally on the ground floor, because Freddie Kitchens is a new coach. I know he was with the Browns before. So the ground floor has a kitchens. <laughs> yes, has a kitchen set. Yeah. Sorry. Now and back we, to the content. And I almost want to do a little sort of uh, corner gas and spit on the ground whenever time I say Browns, because as a diehard Steelers fans, we hate the Browns. We, so I have to get that out there. But Kitchen is a guy, and Kitchens is a new guy. He's in a position, and he gets to be an opportunity. And he really likes the defensive coordinator, Stephen Wilkes, who had a pretty crappy year with the Arizona Cardinals that ended up being fired. But... It's something they have a good relationship. They went out for dinner last night. They chatted and they stayed up late talking football, as I can imagine, only two people. So Chris's job, it's in a senior defensive assistant. I would guess in a shorter term, a consultant, but that'd be... Almost like maybe a quality control guy? Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. A little bit more than that. Yeah, he's going to be involved in scouting, involved in personnel decisions, and he's going to give... Instead of he being the guy who got all the information here and made the decision, he's going to provide the information. He'll go up the ladder to... uh, John Dorsey, I think, is the GM in in uh, Cleveland, and he'll make the decision. I said the timing. He goes, you know, the timing happens. Like I really, I really don't think this was something he was pursuing. He he did make a very interesting point to me. He got, hired an agent, and when he, when we were in Mont Tremblant last weekend or last week, he said he doesn't have an agent. He's always done his own contracts. I mean, when you think about that, if you're a personnel guy, you can do your own CFL contract. You're aware of everything. So you don't. Really, but the NFL is such a bigger league. With more money and more things involved, you need an agent. And this guy, Don Yee, represents uh, Tom Brady and, and Sean Payton from the uh, 
New Orleans Saints. So it's just a real average clientele. Yeah, just yeah, and Chris Jones. <laughs> so it's, it's and it's uh, no, it was we chatted. Like, I know people don't know me that well. I asked him, "What are you going? How are you going to clean out your office?" And I thought there was such a telling statement. He says, "I don't travel that heavy. I don't have that. You can put it in a box, and they'll mail it to me." Now, isn't that interesting? Wow! Like even you and I would take more than a box or two to fill our little office. They space. might take us out of here in a box, Mer. So it was a little like that was kind of insightful. And you know, and I talked to him about. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. I asked him, did the salary cap, the, the, the football operations salary cap, have anything to do with him leaving? And he said, no, it was the opportunity. He, he went on a little bit how he, I don't think he still likes it. He doesn't think it's happening at any other level of football, and it's kind of handcuffing and teams and coaches moving ahead, especially the riders now with, with what's going to happen with these four positions. But it was insightful. It was We had a couple laughs. I, you know, people can listen to the audio on uh, leaderpost.com they can hear my interview style and sometimes we laugh and we interview sometimes we tell jokes it's not it's not always you know back and forth it's always back and forth but it's not always kind of confrontational so it was a a pretty good day to talk to chris and uh leader post were the first ones with it and it's kind of nice to be first on something in a little while and have the leader post name out there saying that we are on top of something the you know, I, I, my take on it, and there's been so much talk about the rough, Chris Jones leaving the Rough Riders high and dry. That seems to be a mm-hmm. perception that some people hold, and and I certainly would agree that there's some validity to that when you look at the situation that they're in without him. But if you have a chance to go to the National Football League, you take that chance. Exactly. And I'm not caught up in oh, you have to be a head coach or you have to be a coordinator. If you if you're in the professional football business. You want to end up in the National Football League. You just do. Yeah. And if you get that opportunity, you take it. And if suppose that the, Chris Jones is in a situation where he knows there's NFL interest, there's an offer out there, but he can't take it due to the provisions in the contract. Well, then you got a head coach who's thinking, "Well, gee, I could have, I could have done this. This was a, this was a dream. This was a goal." And I, I don't know how you hold somebody back in that situation. You're talking about the National Football League, and sometimes people say, "Well." He was a head coach here. That's a lot higher, yeah. higher profile position or a bigger, bigger position than being a, 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 a assistant in the National Football League with a kind of a funky title. But I, I would argue, and some may disagree, that any coaching position in the National Football League is of a higher caliber than the highest coaching position in the Canadian Football League. It's the National Football League. Yeah. That is it when you're talking not only um, – professional football but i would i would argue professional sports in, in sport, north america and how do you a, say no how do you hold somebody back and you he can't. also got a little bit of security a two-year contract which <laughs> is worthless paper it's signed and even he said that because you never know you never know the cleveland browns now catch folks the cleveland browns are the cleveland browns for a reason he's not getting hired by the steelers or by the or the kansas city chiefs or all the teams they're playing this weekends these hirings tend to happen with teams that are struggling and they're looking for some way to get better. And the Browns were better last year than they have been in a long, long time, which is really hurts to say. I think they Baker t- Mayfield's awesome. I think they tied the Steelers. No, I whipped that that horrible memory from my mind. No, I'm never going to bring that up again. But they are a better team. They're improving, and it's the NFL. Like you start, you and I both started off in small papers, and we always dreamed of going to work at a big paper. We ended up here. We always dreamed of that. I started we- off here. Summer job. No, you have. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> then I went to Lloyd Minster. Lloyd Minster, okay. I guess so. But They don't it, remember me fondly Well, there. I started a small paper. The Times, Herald, and Moose and worked here. And I always dreamed of going someplace bigger. And then we come there and we find out it's the perfect life we want to lead and we stay. So what's wrong with having ambitions? The only thing, and it was pointed on Twitter, are the, what are the, are the riders a bit to blame? Maybe not blame is that word. 
by giving one guy so much power that when he leaves, he just decimates the whole franchise. Part of the problem is the system changes between them appointing Chris Jones and giving him virtually every position in the football operations department and him leaving, everything changes as a result of this cap. Yeah. If Had the cap not been there, they have a they would have a lot more flexibility. The as soon as the old model changes, then they're really left scrambling. Yeah. Had the previous rules been in effect, if you don't like the coaches you have now, TNT and bring yeah. in new coaches. But now it, it it seems that there's they're going to have to honor the contracts of of the coaches who yeah. just recently resigned, and that. That ties their hands. Well, they wouldn't have got him if they hadn't gone all you in. You have to give him all that to get him. Yeah. And I would still maintain that at the time, that was the right call. Who was the hottest commodity out there at the time? The Riders are coming off a 3-15 and season. They fired Brendan Tamman. They fired Corey Chamberlain. And they need to turn it around. So, Chris Jones has just won a Grey Cup and you go get him? That's a coup. That's a tremendous yeah. hiring. And you're not going to get him by saying, okay, you come over here and be the head coach. That's a lateral move. You add general manager, you throw in vice president of football operations, then you can justifiably take him away from their team. You, they don't get Chris Jones no. if they don't load up his business card to the point where there's no white space left. Yeah. And that's what they had to do at the time. They did that. Did He didn't achieve the 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 higher-end results that they were hoping for, but he took a three-win team, got it to five, 10, 12. And who knows what be next year. So still doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> but he improved the team. To what degree, that's that's certainly debatable. Yeah. But it was the right move at the right time, and I think the results showed that it was a, it was a smart move in many ways because the team's in, in a much better position now than the one that uh, he inherited. But... Now it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> you know, I was trying to, this may be a little bit off topic, but I was trying to think this morning what, when I've been blindsided by Rough Rider news. Because sometimes you sense something. Like when Chris Jones signed the contract extension, we all took a breath. Yeah. Okay, everything's cool. We can move on. There's going to be no sort of yeah. drama or stuff. That kind of thing happens. Like they signed a. Like, you're, wait, you're basically waiting for free agency. Yeah. Now, they signed right? Zach. Get track Zach Claris last year. Okay, a breath. We don't know how it's going to work out, but we just thought, okay, now a breath. So I'm thinking back. About 11 years ago, I'm trying to think of three moments in my little time on the beat. Ken Austin quits after winning to leave the Rough Which Rider. was 11 years ago today, today on the Wednesday. So that one just surprised me. I remember in Edmonton when the first words first broke that Chris Jones would consider coming to the Riders and they're talking to him. Went, not really? the Great Cup winning wow. coach. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. How can, and then yesterday, credit to CFL News. They're on top of this first. I'll give him a lot of that guy credit. And Chris Jones is leaving? And it's... People come in, you know, in the office just blew up and they all come over to talk to us. And I'm sitting there going to, I'm trying to, Kim, I'm trying to process what I just heard. I know. And it switched my brain from working on a curling story to now I got to work on Chris Jones's story. So it's really been, it was the best 24 hours have been crazy. And the next, well, how many, 20 days are going to be crazy. Yeah, they've got to get this under, they've got to get this done pretty quickly because they need to, with free agency on February 12th, there's still some, Pending free agents that could yeah. be re-signed, uh, they've got to get. They've got to keep going on with like, the business. I wonder what kind of Jeremy shape. O'Day is the easy move now, but and, and I think the log- the logical move to make. He's going to do it, and I think he's. But boy, is this his dream position? He comes in, he can't hire his own head coach, he can't hire his own staff. He's dealing with. Well, if he can hire his own head coach. Well, you, there I mean, might, that might lead to some manipulation of the staff. Yeah, hopefully, but, but it's, it's likely going to be. He's handcuffed. It's likely going to be from within. I, I would think. And this is based on my astute knowledge of football and stuff. It's got to be from within, based on the salary cap restrictions. I really think, and if I was guessing, it's 
maybe Craig Dickinson, and don't write off <laughs> Stephen McAdoo. Well-experienced guy until last year. Was well-respected most of the time as a offensive coordinator, knowledgeable, and he understands the Chris Jones style. So don't write him they off. They can't do that, I can know. they? I know. Optically, that but, would... Hey, it gets a different offensive coordinator, unless he stays offensive coordinator. Well, you, he probably, he probably, if, if if he doesn't stay as the offensive coordinator, you'd think his influence would still be felt. Yeah. Uh, I would think of the, I don't think anybody comes here if he's the offensive coordinator. If you look at the staff that they have right now, I think Craig Dickinson is is the best yeah. person to, to, to move and up. As I, we said yesterday, we, I mean, for me, we were talking, one of the nicest guys in football. You're never going to meet a nicer guy who's more in tune with what the people around him are doing and talking and yeah. family life and personal lives and putting on weight, losing weight, limping, you know, son stuff. Dairy. At least as a special teams coordinator, I always look forward to Chris to Craig Dickinson saying that. And his brother Dave is the same way. Yeah. And he's, as we know, he's a great cup champion. And a lot coach. of being a head coach, it's uh, yes, there's the X's and O's, but a lot of the X's and O's are also delegated to the coordinators, yeah. unless you're the head coach who happens to be the coordinator. But... A lot of it is managing people. I remember yeah. talking to Ron Lancaster about being a head coach. And he says, people make a big deal about you know me being the head coach in the offense. But you know what? I leave the, I leave the offense to Ron Lancaster Jr., RD, as he was called. Uh, I leave the defense to Don Southern. I'm almost like a traffic cop. Yeah. I'm just trying to manage people. And when, it's, when you try to decide whether to, whether to gamble on third and one, that's on my lap. And it's about managing the game. It's about managing people. If you're looking at that, Craig Dickinson of, of the in-house candidates is, is is amazing ability to interact with people. I think that would be a tremendous asset. And yeah. you also you also you're also a, you also have to deal with the public as the head coach of the football team. I think Craig Craig Dickinson would would be his demeanor suits him very well for that. Now the question is: Is there any way they can go outside the organization? Because Mark Tressman yeah. is is out there. Uh, Paul Lapalise's name is not going to go away as long as the Rough Riders are looking for a head coach. Yeah. Is there a way that they can work outside the prism of the organization and get a head coach while respecting this cap? And is there, I can wonder. You, is, with it, can with you it, name an interim head coach? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't rule out anything the way this week's gone. Is there, is there a case for looking at this, going to the league and saying, okay, this football operations cap was brought in. Nobody envisioned, envisioned an extenuating circumstance such as this, where a head coach brings in pretty much his whole group and then leaves, but you still got the group. So you're hand, you're you're handcuffing anybody that you'd want to bring bring in, and these contracts are only a week old. Are there any extenuating circumstances where you can grandfather some of this and allow the new person to a come in and be affordable and b mold his own staff to a degree because you're you've you've tied the hands of everybody and it's strictly a paperwork issue now and it's only this is the this is the first real test of this cap and its practicality practicality and its flexibility or do the riders say look we want to hire the best person out there period and not be constrained by this cap do they say maybe it's worth losing a draft pick or two in order to get the best people we can get at this point yeah, you know, you get you deal with situations all the time, or from time to time, where teams will say, "Okay, we'll trade you as the New England Patriots traded a draft pick for the rights to talk for the opportunity to talk to Bill Belichick." Coaches have been traded for draft picks before. Do you look at this as the Rough Riders and say, "You know, if we exceed the cap, it's not great, but we've we've been put in a horrible situation. If it costs us a draft pick, but we get the right guy and we get the right staff for the right guy." 
is do the benefits of that outweigh the detriments of losing out on picking an offensive lineman from Wilfrid Laurier in well, the second round? Well, the thing is, I, I get the sense of this sidecap. There's it's a lot of fly by their pants with it. I think there's not as many like we can't explain it really. We yeah. we, t- we say the major things, you know, two point six million. 11 coaches, 14 football ops, and then we just kind of all let it. <laughs> and was, that, was was anything like this accounted yeah. for as in, in when they were designing this cap? Did they ever th- – this is the worst-case scenario for this cap because mm-hmm. you're, you, you think you're stable, you think you got all your coaches lined up, beginning with the head guy, and then suddenly he's gone, but you've still got all the tentacles of, of that guy. What do you do? Is there any way within the within the confines of that cap to work around it, or do you have to promote one and hire one coordinator? I, based on what I understand about the, and I've already explained, I don't understand it completely. I kind of, but it's. I think it's got to be within. I think that's their only option right now, unless they, you throw out the draft picks and fines and stuff, and the writers have the money. Yeah, is that is that a, is that a price worth paying? I think yeah. And can they make a case for yes? We we've supported the cap. We've we voted for it. We, but look at the position we've been put in here. Is there? Would they but be? Would they, would on, they put get? On, put on your head coach and OC hat. Do you want to be the head coach and OC of this team? <laughs> well, you get a really high draft pick the next year. <laughs> yes. And I know it's it's the reality of the situation. They have no quarterback. Arguably, their two best receivers aren't coming back. JWO, Jalen Jordan Williams, Lambert, and who knows what's going to happen to Roosevelt. I'm not saying he may not come back, but he's a possibility out of there. You have a kind of an okay. He's a free agent anyway. He's a so. free agent. You have a kind of an, an aging offensive line. It's okay. It wasn't. It's okay. It's not great. And as I went back to the mention, you don't have a quarterback. So when they, I think when guys take over teams, they look at the roster and they see what they want to work with and how they want to do things. And they look at this and go, oh, good defense, great special teams. Ew. I don't know if I want to dip my toe in those ocean those waters. Yeah, that's a tough one, and maybe it, maybe it limits you as, as when you're looking for a head coach to get the, to getting the wannabes and uh, the it's even if you're Jones encumbered is, coming in with a probably with a coaching staff that isn't of your choosing, and without unless you're a real big David Watford fan, <laughs> what do you what do you make of the quarterback? We can, we can hyperlink what we do now to yesterday's podcast where we expanded. Don't much. watch yesterday's podcast, please. <laughs> That's why yeah. we're doing today's podcast. And I mentioned Mark Mueller in the context of something that I got mixed up on, and I'd like to clear that up that I kind of got Mark Mueller and Nick Lewis mixed up. Yeah, Mark Mueller is very happily in, in Calgary. still a member of the Calgary Stampers yes, coaching staff. Sometimes, and a wonderful sometimes person. I can't delete what I say, but sorry, I apologize to Mark and all his family and all his friends. And to Nick, too. But anyway, I just wanted to get that there. That's my a correction on a podcast. Are you allowed to do that? Absolutely. Well, we've never done two in a row before. No. What were we talking well, about? I hope we're not doing one tomorrow. So I'm going to ask you before we quit on this, just to, give me, do you have a Chris Jones moment? You know, uh, that's a good one. Um, well, my, <laughs> my Chris Jones moment was his first home game as the Rough Riders head coach. It was a preseason game. And our routine as we worked it out between ourselves is, Murr, you get downstairs and, and get quotes and do the interviews. I'll stay upstairs and I'll finish the story for online. And I'll post it to our website and to the Saskatoon Star Phoenix's website. So I've got to touch up the, the story as soon as the game's over and file it. So that takes about five or ten minutes to do. And then, But anyway, by the time I got downstairs, Chris Jones had already begun his press conference. And the, the door was closed oh. to, the, to the media room. And so I thought I'll be as inobtrusive as possible. And I will just try to sneak in here and be totally respectful. So I turned the handle really slowly. 
and then open the door really slowly. And that, those door hinges needed some serious oil. So I was actually making it worse by trying to be quiet than I was by just going barging in. So Chris Jones is up there talking. All of a sudden, I decide to come into the room. And it's like... <laughs> and it sounds like your body moving. It sounds like my arteries. <laughs> yeah. And so I, didn't, I wasn't looking at him at the time, but I guess he just stopped and just shot me daggers for the 10 seconds that, where it sounded like the door opening in the Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> and that was pretty much my introduction to Chris Jones. He just glared at me. Uh, a week or two, about a week after that, the, the, the riders held their, held their annual meeting and, and he was, he was amazing yeah. at that. And, um, I went up to him afterwards and introduced myself and apologized to him for that. He was great about it. Yeah. And I, um, the few opportunities I've had to chat with him, as we talked about in yesterday's now invalidated podcast, <laughs> uh, well, he's he really good. Yeah. He was really good. Um, but he was very stubborn when he didn't want to answer a question. Oh yeah. He would do the look to look in the other direction and and wait for another question routine. It was yeah. like put bag overhead, and uh, when when he had stuff he wanted to say, it was great. When there was stuff that he didn't want to say, it's like you didn't exist. What he would do, he would flip into football speak. He would talk about cover zero and all this stuff, and he would really get very technical. And we'd all stand there, our eyes would glaze over because we know we well how much of the population can understand all of that football speak, and that's a noise he would do. I know my Chris Jones's moment, and it's going to be a sign of how my relationship with this and today was. Today, <laughs> I never had a chance to talk to him, and I said, "People," I said in the interview, "I said, you know, Chris, I was just thinking. I think we we're just getting to know each other, and now you're going." <laughs> and he laughs. He said, "Oh, that's stuff that happens there." And I thought that was my Chris Jones moment was today. And in three years, I never got to know the man. I and I, and going back to myself, I still remember you assigning me a two thousand word. Uh, feature on who was Chris Jones to write to fill our supplement. Yeah, that became a 100-word story. Well, no, and I, and, I, and I didn't get one-on-one -on -one time with Chris Jones. So I talked to, and as a reporter, it's fine. You get other voices and you tell other stories, but you still need time you with need the, the man. You need the protagonist. But the, and the, writer, the writers allowed me to, I was allowed to talk to him as much as I wanted in scrums. And I remember on, on I'd see on some websites, what is McCormick asking, what's his daughter's names and how old they are? Like, yeah. why is he asking how their names are spelled? What's his wife's name? Where did you come from? How do you spell Why do you wear black? Yeah. I, 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 I saw those. It's like, well, Murr has no other choice because yeah. he's been so boxed in by the by the regulations. Yeah, You've got that's... it. Where else do you have? Chris Jones' first press conference, when he was yeah. introduced, there weren't any one-on-one -on -one interviews. No. So Ian Hamilton, who was working for us at the time, was assigned to do one of these profiles. And he starts asking all these general questions about his background and his childhood yeah. that normally wouldn't fit very well exactly, into a yeah. structured press conference, but there was no other opportunity. And then you hear the, the, the fallout about, well, why are you asking those questions? Exactly. When are we supposed to do it? I remember when Eric Tillman was hired. Things that made me look very good. I was on the golf course, and I was supposed to do a feature on Eric Tillman. It happened very quickly. And by the, I got off the golf course, and I screwed over, and I missed his stuff. And Eric came up to me and says, oh, yeah, let's do it right now. Oh, give me, he said, give me a half an hour. He called me. He says, come back. And he, did, and he gave me all the time in the world. I thought, well, Eric Tillman, regardless of everything that's happened, was, that was, I was so blown away that he would do that for a guy who happened to be on the golf course when they announced who the new general manager of the Riders was. So I can see that. I'm still kind of surprised at how we don't, as you say, Chris Jones is gone. We hardly knew you. Yeah. We, I can tell people if they wanted to ask, what do you know about Chris Jones? He wore black. He had a wife and kids. He lived in South Pittsburgh. He has lived in hotel rooms all his life as a football coach. That's what he did. That's what best him. Doesn't cook, doesn't clean. 
likes that life. Other than that, I am. And that's an interesting thing, too, to point out. I mean, he's the first rider head coach that really hasn't made, hasn't lived here. Yeah. You know, um, some head coaches have had their families living elsewhere. Uh, I can understand that. But he's the first one that hasn't really totally dove into the community. And he was so immersed in football that maybe it would have been impractical for him to buy a home or rent an apartment here anyway. Because he was just, I think he's one of those sleep in the office head coaches. But be that as it may. He never. There was never really the investment on the part of Chris Jones in this community, and you didn't see him around during the off season. And that, a lot of that had to do with the practical factors. Yeah. He's looking for players during the off season. But do you, you know? I remember. I go I, back. I, I, I think Jim Spavital used to do every sports banquet in yeah. Saskatchewan. So did John Gregory. You know, Ken Miller is still doing sports banquets. Um, the head coach of this team has generally been more visible yeah. in the community, and he never was. And I think that that's one of the reasons people never really warmed up to him. I don't think he took, he didn't totally invest himself in living here. People just didn't feel that connection with him. When you, when, when you have those opportunities to talk with Chris Jones, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, it's generally a pretty good experience. Yeah. He's a pretty funny, engaging guy, but not warm and fuzzy, though. but He's not like you and I. We're two big cuddly guys. We're fuzzy for other reasons. Yeah, we're going to tell people stories, but he's not. I would love to hear some of his stories. People never really got the chance to get to know him. You compare that to Ken Miller and Maureen. If you, you know, a lot of people. You compare that to Wally Buono. You compare that to, you know, guys across the league. Kent and Shelly Austin. Shelly did so much in the community. And, you know, Kent was was pretty, pretty visible as well. And Ken Miller did so much. There was was never that with Chris Jones. So there was, people never really felt that close to him. It's not a criticism either. And I I think people might say, it's what's the reality. It's the reality. It's not like Daryl Davis of CJME is quite critical of the court. And Daryl and I have had many discussions about this. I'm not as caught up in Chris Jones living here as other people. And I know it's, it's a personal thing. I think. As I've said before, his daughter's a teenager. You're not going to move him out of schools down there. And I know other people have. His wife has a job she teaches. Half the year, he spends three weekends at home a year, yeah. Christmas, New Year's, and Easter, and all the time he's just scouting. So, But the, the th- fundamental to all, part of all that is people never really got a chance to get to know him, whether no. it's the media, whether it's the general public. It was pretty difficult. And, uh, and, and largely for reasons, I think, that are defensible. But the reality is... So does the it's, next coach have to live here? It would certainly be beneficial. I think I think they, they should they, shut up Daryl Davis. Needs, there needs to be <laughs> some kind of foundation where yeah. this head coach is saying, "Okay, this is my home. This community is is where I want to. This community means something to me. It's symbolically, I think it would be a, be a step forward." So here's a thought, and this is one I was having: was like, Are the writers back to where they were in 2015, when uh, you know at the end of that 2050 season when they're they don't have a head coach. They kind of have. No, are they a better team then now than they were? They are better. They're, they're better than they were. They, situationally, are they back to? They're their? in a very perilous situation. Would you not agree? Yes. I mean, I'm trying to find a head coach in mid-January is not a good, 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 uh, good situation You're to be. Especially to when Dave Dickinson. Need, oh, they've already gone that road. You, eh? you need yeah. a defensive coordinator, and you don't have a quarterback. And and if you look at the the Chris Jones Willie Jefferson situation and how Willie Jefferson is pretty much gone everywhere. Chris Jones is gone. Yeah. Okay. Now your MVP or your, your MOP who is, I think would assuredly be back if Chris Jones was, I think he's going to, what do you do? I know. Uh, Corey Chamberlain likes defensive linemen like Chris Jones. I mean like, like, uh, like Willie Jefferson. Yeah. Could you see, could you see uh, Corey Chamberlain thinking, Hmm, 
you guys fired me uh, three or four years ago. Why don't I just why don't we just sign Willie Jefferson away from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Take that. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Chamberlain likes to pressure defense. Willie Jefferson's an amazing player. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a huge free Corey, agent market. Saying Corey Chamberlain, I think you mean Chris Jones, don't you? Oh, oh Corey Chamberlain. Oh, from the argument. Oh, oh, I see. Toronto could be very interested. Oh, okay, so. so there's no longer, I think, the given that Willie Jefferson's coming back here. Well, that's massive, especially when they've already lost Sam McGuavin. The strength of this team has been its defense. You're, you're probably they could very well lose their two best players from their defense last year. Their offense is a continuing mess. Yeah. At least a, a year from now, there was at least some promise that Zach Kalaros might fix things. Mm. Now they're they are exactly where they were after the 2015 season. But I would argue they're worse off because after 2015, you could at least say, you know, Brett Smith didn't play that badly. Yep. There's nothing. There's not even a Brett Smith right now. There, there's not even a Tino Sinceri. And there's, there's, there's just <laughs> sorry. The cupboard is bare on offense when you look at the passing game and on defense. There's a very real, very real danger of some very valuable cogs ending up elsewhere. Yeah. Plus, it's a it's a defense that was so philosophically based along the in, in part in in conjunction with the vision of Chris Jones. So now you've lost the architect of that and the conceptualizer of that defense, and you may lose some pretty valuable components as well. So it, it, they're in a very perilous situation personnel-wise. The, the good thing is for them that the, 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 the lovely parting gift that Chris Jones left for the Saskatchewan Friday is just Paul Jones. Yes. The assistant GM. Normally when you look at... contributed to this hiring too. He knew people in Cleveland. Cleveland knew people in him, and they moved... This- the connections are like incredible. Oh, the the web and the web and pro sports, and you know, like Bill Parcells and Mark Trestman are involved, and all these. I never found out. Like he, Chris Jones mentioned many times, how friendly he was with Bill Parcells. We never knew quit knew why, and I could have gotten into that today, but we're moving on, moved on from that. So, the connections and the webs kind of worked out for Chris Jones's favor. Now the Riders got to bounce back. I'm wondering, okay, Craig Reynolds hit a home run with with Chris Jones. Give him that. Is this a bigger hire? Is this a, for Craig Reynolds to step up? Let's he's supposed to meet the media on Friday. It's a tougher hire because you can't tough. wield your financial might like they yeah. did uh, in after the 2015 season. And there are parameters to work within that did not exist. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a more difficult hire from the team that wanted these parameters. You know, you look, yeah, you, I mean, you look at 2015 and they identified what they want and they went after him with a knife and fork and they got him. And it was just, it was, it was shock and awe. They. Chris Jones would have been foolish to reject that offer. Yeah. They gave, they handed him the keys to everything, and uh, and coming off a Grey Cup victory, and then you hire that guy when you're looking for a head coach. That's that's a tremendous coup for yeah. the organization. It's it's a really critical hire now because you've gone from five wins to ten to twelve. You want to take that next step, but now you no longer have your coach, and you no longer have your defensive coordinator, and you don't have a quarterback. And you've somehow got to keep building that process, keeping in mind the vision of Craig Reynolds that you want to achieve sustained success. Yes. Well, but suddenly you're really constrained by this new cap. And not by his fault. No. No, it's not. Through no fault of their own. No fault of their own, yeah. I don't blame the riders for letting him go. I don't blame them for writing in the escape escape clause. I find it interesting with the La Police stuff. National Football League, go. And the La Police talk, and when I think Winnipeg's saying they're going to allow him to talk, that's kind of the rumor is today. I did see that on Twitter. Why would they do that? Why would you allow? I know know why. Because someday down the road, they may be in that situation, and they may be looking for a coach. And how do you say to your OC as an employee, no, we're not letting you talk to the writers. We know it's a, it's a promotion. We know you want to be a head coach. We know it's your opportunity. But no, you we're not going to let you go to our biggest rival. 
you're going to try to, you know, so much about this team. You're going to come in. We're going to, I think they play three times this year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. We're going to let you go on the other side. How do you say to an employee, yeah, it's an opportunity for you to step up and be a head coach if you want to be a head coach? And what happens two or three years from now if their bomber's looking for a head coach and they see somebody in the rider staff they in like? In January, though? It's just you weird. Ne- this, it is, you never know. Yeah, it's just so. a weird time to, to be looking for a head And I know it's it seems really early in the business season, but it's late. It's There's late free in the agency. Game. Everyone's got their staffs in place. And uh, I don't know, whoever steps into this job, they're going to have – all the expectations, all the challenges, and uh, no quarterback, and no quarterback. Congratulations! And I think, <laughs> think we'll probably talk about no quarterback for a long, long time because I don't think they're going to have one for a while. Because I really think, because we like to say Mike Riley, we should keep track of Mike Riley because I think he's surpassed Deron Carter's most mentions on this podcast. Do you think he comes here without Chris Jones? Well, that's next week's fodder. Yes. And what a lovely segue that is <laughs> into the conclusion of this podcast. Looking ahead to next week. Or maybe tomorrow, the way this week has gone. Yeah. Uh, I am duly obligated to uh, mention this at the end. Murray, read the thing. All right. Jesus, I'm going to make it. I didn't read it very well yesterday. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us grow the podcast. If you'd like to send us a question, actually send Rob a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we might read your question on the show and we may even take it the extra step and answer it. Thanks, Murray. That was tremendous. I can do talking head. For Murray McCormick, definitely read his story, the first interview with Chris Jones since his departure. Yeah. And definitely read my column because I want you to. And it's uh, on page two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're probably where it belongs. Yeah. For Murray, I'm Rob. We'll do this again next week. Thanks for your uh, time again today. Take care.